This is episode number 023 of the Reno Slant, Cody freaking Martin. And now Nevada's going back home. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. And we get to exhale. Holy cow. We we knew that two-game swing away from Lawler would be tough. We had it backwards, though. We thought the front end would be the tougher, the scarier of the two. Nevada handled Fresno pretty well on Saturday. And then by every definition of the word, escaped at Boise on Tuesday night. Cody Martin, the man. Nevada now 17-1, so Adam and I are able to share our takeaways from the Boise scare. That's what it was. It was it was looking dark there for a while. And then we got a really fun guest this week, Mark Ladowski. Mark is the owner of Silver and Blue Outfitters. And if you are a Nevada fan, if you are listening to this podcast and you don't know what Silver and Blue Outfitters is, what do we got? What do we got? An absolute staple of the Nevada sports community. How did they get their start? And it's really a fun story for Mark about entrepreneurship and, and leadership and what you have to do as a small business owner today and how you have to adapt. And it was a, one of my more favorite interviews I've done on the podcast so far. Uh, did they ever think about closing the doors? Starting a business can be tough. And where are they going now? So like I said, just a great, great conversation with Mark. Nevada comes home for the next two at Lawler for some home cooking, hopefully, Nevada's got Air Force on Saturday and then Colorado State next Wednesday. So it'll be another late show next week. We'll break down what we need to know about both those squads, the Falcons and the Rams. Who are our favorite players on the other rosters? What are the keys to a pair of Nevada wins? And you know we're going to get into predictions as well. For slants this week, we got Twitter questions from you guys. I put the video out later than normal last night. I had to put it out during halftime of the Boise game, and so we only got a couple, and we got one that's borderline inappropriate from make from, from fake Matt Mummy. We'll, we'll get to that. Games of the weekend, it is championship weekend. We're down to three football games left in all of football season, and I speak for many, I think, when I say I am very sad. I'm starting to – each Sunday night is getting progressively more depressing. <laughs> so we'll break down a couple of those those matchups and then make our betting picks as well. And then you know we're going to get out of here on random Reno. But first, we got our iTunes five-star review of the week. It comes from LRG775. The review says, Been listening and reading Nathan Schaub's work for years. This is hands down the best work he has put out. If you're looking up, or if you're looking for up-to-date news and commentary on Reno or Nevada sports, look no further. I'm proud of a lot of things I did at the Sparks Tribune. And at Lotus, I'd probably agree with that. I'm having, I th- I'm, I'm definitely having the most fun with this podcast. So, LRG seven seven five, thanks for the love. Make sure you shoot us on Twitter or via email, whatever your Venmo username, and we'll, we'll shoot you a buck 
To anyone else who has not left a review yet, please, please, please consider doing so. It's the best way that you can support this podcast, and we'll give you some love on the show, potentially, if we if we pick your review, and you know we're going to shoot you a dollar on Venmo as well. So, bro, we'll, we'll we'll kick it to the Boise game here in a second. I saw, though, that you changed things up. You're up on the mountain on Saturday. You ditched the snowboard for some skis. How did that go? It actually went pretty well. Um, I've heard it from a couple people, and it definitely holds true that learning to snowboard, they say it's easier or it's harder to learn snowboarding, but easier to master. Mm-hmm. And then it's switch with skiing, easier to learn, harder to master. Because mm. I remember with snowboarding, you know, taking at least an entire day before I could even go down the mountain without falling. And with skiing, I was able to pop off the lift and go, you know, immediately go. Yeah. But um, definitely, definitely pushed it. I was with Zach and Val on Sunday, I think it was. And maybe awesome. it's been a little too eager. Yeah, I hit a black diamond and just <laughs> completely yard sailed it. I was going to ask, 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 ask if you had any yard sales. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were going down the backside, and <clears throat> um, my ski was, I'm not even kidding, probably 40, 50 yards up the hill. Oh, no. Um, I l- later ended up snapping my ski pole on that run. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the hardest part you got to factor is, Getting your skis back on when you're at that steep of an angle is nearly impossible. I believe it. It was and super hard. So had a lot of had a lot of fun, but are you gonna get up there at all this weekend? Because they're getting absolutely pounded. No, I'll be on, I leave Phoenix. Oh, that's right. for Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, yep, 3 p.m. on Friday. I come and I come back on Sunday evening. So I would go up Monday, but of course, with the pass I bought, my Martin Luther King days blacked out. Oh, so of course, maybe I'll, yeah, exactly. Well, I saw like Mount Rose got 30 inches with this past storm. Then the one that's coming, they're going to get another four to five feet. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So la- last night it was dumping pretty good, but obviously down the valley, down in Reno, it's a little warmer. So yeah. it stuck for a little bit last night, kind of stopped today. Right now it's, you know, rain in snow mix, but yeah, I mean, that's what I was looking at the forecast too. The mountains are just going to get pummeled and I'm one, you know, wow. low key kind of mad. I'm going to be in Phoenix, but you know who else would have almost got pummeled would have been the Nevada basketball program. If they would have found a way to lose that game at Boise, uh, mistakes all over the place. I thought in the first half, some uncharacteristic turnovers. Second half was not great. The last couple of minutes, it looked real good dark. It looked like it was Nevada was going to wear its second loss of the season, but Cody fricking Martin, some huevos drills a three with like four seconds left, ends up being the game winner. Nevada escapes with a 72 71 win. What is your first takeaway from what was what we're going to look back on potentially being a huge, huge win? <clears throat> so it's going to be a little different than what we've we've talked so much about the starts a lot of times. You know, let's have them get a quick start, electric mm-hmm. start, whatever we want to call it. But this one, I'm going to say Nevada had a pretty decent start. You know, they were leading by nine and a half, but then we're going to go on the backside and say that there was a sloppy finish. Yeah. So we've been used to the slow starts and the close finishes, but this was a decent start, but still managed to be a close finish. Um, that was what I was looking at. It was that, you know, at halftime, I was looking at the, the updates when I was like, Oh, you know, we're, we're chilling. Stats are looking fine. Scores looking good. And then like you've, like you've mentioned quite a few times is that the, 
at the end of the at the end of the game, everybody is standing. Right. Well, in the first half, it was interesting. Boise was basically switching on and off between zone and man. In Nevada, eight turnovers, but they put up 40 points, and more times than not, we're, we're going to take that. We'll take 40 points and a half. In the second half, Boise goes oh, yeah. strictly zone, and then it kind of came unglued, and that's when Boise went on the run and damn near stole that thing. So my thing is, I mean, there are we can really hammer this thing home. This team is far away from playing perfect basketball. It's clear this team still has a lot of room to grow. And at 17-1, that's kind of crazy to wrap your mind around. If this team is going to do something special, though, if they're going to go on this run in March, we're going to look back at Cody's shot and say, that maybe saved it. Because they're still probably hanging Mm -hmm. around the two or three line, you would think, at this point. If they go on the road and lose to Boise, it's always tough to go on the road, especially tough to play a conference opponent when they're getting jacked up. Must talked about it. the respect he has for Gonzaga now when you're everyone's title game of the year, their biggest game of the year. It's tough. And yep. if they're going to do, do it special, do something special, they needed to win that game because as tough as it is to go in in the road and, and win in Boise, the committee would have looked at that and said that's a bad loss. That would have been a quadrant yeah. three loss. Boise might have bumped up, maybe would have made it quadrant two. Who knows what they do the rest of the way. It would have been a bad loss. So that shot needed to go down. Cody was shooting less than 21% from three. Less than 21%. He hadn't hit a three in conference play. And that's the one he hits. You, you talk about dudes being gamers and just finding a way. And he, he willed that ball into the hoop. That's not his strong suit. When he took it, every single fan in Reno and even a couple in Vegas, myself included, said, no, yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was not the (laughs) shot that we wanted to see. And dude's a winner. He's a gamer and willed the ball into the hoop. So I think there's a good chance we look back at that shot here in a couple months and say, thank you, Cody. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And the loss like that, obviously the team in the conference we're in is going to affect us way more than it would. They would have been two games behind For Boise example, at that point. If he misses that yeah. shot, they're two games behind Boise already. What else you got? Be a tough spot to be in. Um, I was going to go with Jazz because Jazz has obviously been one of the lights that's uh, shined quite often. Uh, his stat line, I liked it a lot. He's one of you the know, lights. He doesn't that have a lot of hype. Often. <laughs> he's one of the lights that is shining when this offense and this team is not shining at collectively. We'll put it that way. You're a, wor- you're describe a, it better. You're a wordsmith. <laughs> hey, it's what I do. It's what I do. Someone should publish that. But yeah, like I was saying, he doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of high volume, but his numbers are always efficient. And those are, I mean, those are the guys we've talked about, the impact players that, you know, they're not, they're not the Martin twins. They're not, you know, uh, Caroline. They're not the guys that maybe are getting, you know, the spotlight. But I mean, he was four of six field goals, two of four on the, uh, from behind the arc, four boards and a steal. And those are kind of those little impact players that, you know, even though it's not a whole lot, that those little things and depending on the timing of the game and when he's making those buckets and when, you know, getting certain boards, it's his, his presence is, you know, the way I'm interpreting and the way I've been seeing it game to game is that he, you know, is consistently, you know, doing his part, doing what he's been asked to do. He's vital for this offense right now. Mm-hmm. And I think you can make the case that 
he sh- I mean, he, he's efficient and there's a reason he's efficient because he's so good at picking his spots. You could argue though. I mean, there's yep. stretches where this offense, again, I mean, we're, we're 18 games in a lot. There's times in the second half against Boise, but it just looked like they didn't have a clue against the zone, looked completely out of sorts. And you could argue that like, Jazz is someone who needs to step up in that spot then. Like Jazz is going to have to find a way to make a bigger mm-hmm. impact, I think, because you're going to need someone who can who can cut, who who can make an elbow jumper against the zone. You beat a zone by quick passing and hitting open jumpers, and that's that's Jazz's game, right? So yeah, I, and he's been one of the guys that's you know, but been hitting the three point more consistently, and that's one of the spots we struggled. So, like you're saying, going off what you're saying, it's like use him as the spark that can maybe get these you know trails of. At this point in the season, I'm going to say hitting two threes in a row, maybe three. <laughs> but well, he hit this. The team is struggling to shoot threes, no question. And I'm going to get to that next. There were four different times, though, in that game that I counted in the second half, where Boise was clawing back. The crowd's getting into it. They're starting to get amped, and I count four different times. Nevada hit a shut your face three pointer. Uh, Caleb had one. Jordan Caroline had one, Jazz had one, and Cody at the end. So despite the struggles, mm-hmm. this, this team just does not – I saw – I forget who it is. And so whoever it is, my apologies. There's a video on Twitter today I saw. It was like every broadcast from the, from the year, it was like five or six, but them all saying the exact same thing. They got five fifth-year seniors. They're all transfers. Like They all just hammering that point home. Mm-hmm. It shows, though. They just don't flinch. They do not flinch. Yeah. And that's what I was going to get to next when it comes to three-point shooting. I think at some point the approach has to change, right? Or at least there has to be an adjustment in the approach because I love that Muss has given the guys free range to shoot threes because it's gotten them to this point, and it clearly was a strength last year. And the team can get hot, Mm -hmm. no question. We saw Caleb in the second half against San Jose State. This team can get hot. But Nevada leads the Mountain West in three-point attempts by a wide margin. They've played a few more games than I think New Mexico is second. But they've shot the most three-pointers in the conference by a significant amount. And they're seventh or eighth in a, in percentage from deep. And that's a mm-hmm. ton of possessions that Nevada is giving away now. I and mean, we've all seen the possession countless times this year now. It feels like they just dribble for 20 seconds and then throw up a contested three with five seconds left. It's like with the amount of talent, there has to be a better option, right? Like it, it, it just, yeah, it is not as effective as it's been in, in years past. Um, it just feels like they're forcing shots from deep. So I, w- I would like to see a small, small adjustment. Like it, it's a, it's a highlight now when they don't shoot forty three pointers in a game. I remember they, I think they took twelve in the yeah. first half against Boise. It's like, all right, yeah, only, only twelve. We, we can live with that because you know the way they're shooting this year, they're not going to make a ton of them. At least not the way, way they were last year. So uh-huh. that was one of my takeaways from the Boise game too. Now I think at this point, we know what this team is in terms of shooting. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. I think I would just like to see guys like Trey Porter maybe get more involved. And I think part of it was foul trouble. So, I mean, he didn't get to play as much as, yeah. as Musk would have liked because he was dominating. I see what, what else you got? Yeah. Little, little tweak in the offense, little tweak in the offensive game plan. That's what I'm saying. Could be, could be essential. Um, I'm going off the boards. We had 29 rebounds. And I don't know if you remember me talking about last week. I said I wanted to see Caroline Supremes, Caroline Specials. I wanted mm-hmm. to see 
No, like everybody, all my buddies in the back of a SUV. I can't remember exactly how to describe it, but going back off Caroline. So it was a little bit different than him on the offensive side. I was looking at his defensive side or kind of getting things off the board. He had 13 total rebounds, so 13 of the 29. So he's getting just under half of the team's rebounds. <laughs> That's <And> ridiculous. <laughs> it's just crazy. And I mean, it's, it's hard because he's such a beast and like is so good at just like those different types of the game. He's obviously a great shooter too, but like the rebounds and boards, I mean, it's, it's hard. I could imagine being another team trying to prep for a guy like that who not only has the size and strength, but you can just see sometimes he's has that determination and the will to get the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's just, I don't know. I just, I, I think he's just very entertaining. Obviously that goes without saying, but yeah, Caroline just, he's on one of those other things that not the point production of the game, but something else that really, you know, I thought was impressive. Yeah. His motor is really what differentiates him. I and mean, his, you can speak to his skill set. The fact that he's an unbelievable rebounder. He can stretch the floor. He's a matchup problem, but his, his motor is really what, what I think puts him in, in a different category. The last thing I'll, oh, I want yeah. to say about the game is less about the game and more about the entire operation. I mean, Nevada Twitter was going nuts. And I don't like to comment mm-hmm. on this stuff all the time because there's always you're always going to look at it from a certain slant, maybe a Reno slant, yeah. so so to speak. <laughs> for for me though, it was pretty egregious on on Tuesday night between the officiating in the second half, how CBS handled the broadcast. It was just what do we got here? I mean, there was, there was mm-hmm. one, there was one point, I mean, one point in the second half, fouls were 10 to 3 in Boise's favor. Not a single mention of it from the broadcast. And there was one play, speaking of Jordan Caroline, he got called for a couple charges in the second half. And one of them, he's driving into the paint, the defend, I forget who the defender was. He's like in the air. He has one foot, he's clearly moving. Jumps in front of Jordan. They call a charge. It's going bonkers in there. In the broadcast, going, that's a perfect call. That's the exactly right call. I'm like, what are you talking about? He doesn't have position yeah. established at all. He has one, he's moving clearly. How, in what world is that a charge? And CBS is like, yep, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. I think that was Steve Lapis, the, the color guy. Yeah. Some people, some people just see what they want to see. <laughs> and, Clearly, it makes it only makes it worse when Nevada's struggling and everyone's frustrated. I mean, that that is an element of it. It, but it's just it's worth noting that the the whole operation was it was not great. Off, not great. Doesn't matter though. Seventeen and one pulled away or snuck away with a win. Uh, that was a big one, certainly. As I mentioned, a huge, huge two game road swing. Nevada was was fortunate enough to bring two dubs. Back to Reno. So let's kick it now to our interview with Mark Gladowski, the owner of Silver and Blue Outfitters. As I mentioned at the very top, an awesome, awesome conversation with Mark. And uh, here it is. Mark, thrilled to have you on for a number of reasons. Before we jump into this, how many – I got a tough question for you. How how many questions of the Reno slant have you listened to? Uh, I've listened (laughs) to, I think, about three of your podcasts. Okay. Uh, let's call it three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> three. What, what's your uh, What's your review? Keep in mind the recorder is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I, I like the format that you guys have, and I like that. Um, you know, you you listen to your audience, and you create this thing um, from that you know demand and the need that you saw there. And yeah. I think you guys 
bring a unique take on on things and and it's it's a good listen. That's what we're trying. That's what, that's what we're trying to do. So so let's jump into I mean I think you guys have a fascinating story over at Silver and Blue uh Outfitters. So you opened the doors in June 2006 with Brad Platt, now at Strength in the Pack, um who we had on the show about a month ago. When you when you were going through the process of opening Silver and Blue Outfitters and all the all the planning was the plan to be in the spot you're in now? Have you been surprised by the success you've had? I mean, I guess what what was the plan? <laughs> so uh, I definitely hoped that we would be where we are now. Okay. Um, yeah, Brad and I started in 2006. I was fresh out of grad school. I went to um, University of Nevada for undergrad, graduated in 2004. And then I uh, did a graduate degree at Texas A&M, and I graduated there December of 05. And so... I want. I knew I wanted to come back to Reno, um, so I secured a job. I was an actual uh, industry analyst in the telecom industry back then. But okay. uh, Brad and I started this company based on um, what I had seen during my time at Texas A and M. They had stores like this um, on every street corner. It seemed like. Wow. And uh, so yeah, I, I kind of pitched it to him um, and said, "Hey, I've got an idea. I actually wrote a business plan on it." as part of my grad school and um, said, I'm looking for a business partner. I know you've started a company before, so I could use the business acumen and off we went. I don't, I don't think we, you know, sometimes being naive is a good quality. <laughs> yes. For, for certain. <laughs> so you came up with the idea yeah. for silver and blue outfitters while you were in grad school at Texas A&M. Yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, we, that's fascinating. Uh, yeah. I actually met with um, a counterpart there that runs a similar outfit to what we do here. Mm-hmm. And uh, just picked his brain, you know, and and um, you know, along the way, we I've learned a lot. Brad and sure. I learned a lot together, and and uh, it's been it's crazy to think thirteen years, but yeah, this <laughs> it's, uh this is what we had in mind. I mean, this is a couple locations trying to get the concessions contract, you know, at uh, Nevada Athletics events, and uh, having a web presence. And uh, I mean, we we started as a website, so we didn't have retail stores, right. first, so we're kind of unique that way. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, you mentioned you've been around for 13 years. You got multiple locations. You're now the official merchandiser of Nevada Athletics. I mean, generally speaking, it can be kind of tough to look back and pinpoint some things. But what do you think that you have done that's allowed you to get to the spot that you are? If there are a couple things. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one thing, and it's kind of what I mentioned about your podcast, but we, I've been able to keep a focus and really listen to our customers and their feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's been really important there. I mean, customers are the lifeblood of any company. So, so really it can't be overstated how important it is to right. focus on them and listen to them and, and, um, to be able to adapt if they, you know, negative feedback, positive feedback and use those things to, to kind of mold how you do things. Uh, and we've really not only listened to them, but focused on serving them. And that's, that's key too, because, uh, you just can't forget why you're here. You know, they're the customers that support us are the reason we're in business and, and I remind my employees that every day, like, you know, mm-hmm. they pay your power bill. So, um, <laughs> make sure you treat them like accordingly. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I, you know, we, we try and deliver a level of service and everyone touts that, you know, it's kind of like a cliche thing for, especially in the retail industry. But, uh, an anecdote I tell my staff too, we used to do a lot of bus trips, charter bus trips and Brad just did one with strength in the pack right. uh, to Fresno this, this last uh, game. But, um, Early on, you know, we did some bus trips and we, we had a lady show up for the bus and she had not registered or paid and we were completely full. And, uh, so I, I immediately gave her my seat 
I followed the bus in my personal car down to San Jose and I got a speeding ticket along the way. So <laughs> I tell people if I can do that in the name of service for someone who didn't pay for a bus seat, then, uh, yeah. then we can go the extra mile, you know, no pun intended, but, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's an anecdote I use for my, my team here. So yeah, I mean, it, it is cliche, but I mean, you have an, at that point, you have a client or a customer for life because you were willing to hop in the car and drive across the mountain. Absolutely. And I think back to the Texas A&M example too, uh, you know, another thing we've done is look at other successful retailers and try and take play, uh, pages out of their playbooks, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Brad and a group of uh, our friends, for a long time, we went to big-time college football game each year. So we went. I've been to LSU, Alabama, uh, Ohio State. Uh, we've gone to the Final Four. Awesome. And on those trips, we always would take time to look at the retail landscape and just see what those people were doing well, what, what they were doing that maybe we could – you know, do. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that, that helped us along the way too, is just paying attention to not only our customers, but other people who have had success. I love it. Yeah. So you're, you're having success now, but I'm sure that wasn't always the case. It never is when, when you're starting from the ground up. So do you ever get close to saying, forget this, this isn't going to work? Yeah. I mean, uh, not making, not having success, you know, this failing was a risk from day one. Right. Um, you know, I started it as a side business, but I already had another job just in case, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, I'll say that after 13 years, like going into business for yourself is not for the faint of heart. Right. Um, everything's on the line and, and I always, you know, there's always a risk there. And, and, but if you're, you know, I owe it to myself to just give it everything I have and, and I'm all in on this thing. So. I've, I've always told my wife, my family, like, if silver and blue fails, it'll never be because we didn't try hard enough, right. you know? And, um, but at the same time, like entrepreneurs, I think are all fed by that. So like, I guess failing and also the threat of competition is what drives you. So it's kind of yeah. provides you the fuel you need to succeed. Absolutely. So, yeah. And I thought it was interesting. I didn't realize that you started out as a website and then became, you had some retail space the, the the space in general, the business has changed drastically since you guys first opened doors. I mean, the, the rise of the internet, social media, you guys have almost 25,000 likes on Facebook now. You name it, what the changes have been. It seems mm. like you guys have done a pretty good job of adapting and, and being a modern retail business. Yeah, that's a hard one because, uh, I mean, we, we started online because we wanted to prove the model first before mm-hmm. taking the risk of brick and mortar. Um, and but I think brick and mortar is still an important, a very important, you know, part of any retail business. Sure. Uh, I don't, I'm not one of those that is so extreme that I think, you know, all physical stores are, are going the way of the dodo bird and, mm-hmm. and it's all going to be online only. But I think keeping up is super important and, and time seems to be going at an exponential rate compared to actual years, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as technology goes. And, and I mean, I'm 37 and, uh, when I was a student at Nevada, I worked in the College of Business. Um, it was about 2000 to 2004. And at that time, our bosses in the small business development center where I worked, they would task us with training our co- our coworkers and people in the college on some computer-related stuff, you know, whether it was checking their email or burning their files to a CD to put on, like, a, an external hard drive and get a new computer set up. Um 
And that's back when like Napster was disrupting the music industry. <laughs> you still had to have a .edu email address to even sign up for Facebook. Yeah. Um, but, but back then, I mean, I remember talk, talking to my friends who were my coworkers and still my best friends to this date, but I say, yeah, how do these adults function? How do they not know this? You know, how's it just not second nature to them to <laughs> understand this stuff? And now like looking back, I'm 37 and I'm asking my staff like, Hey, you know, do we need to accept Venmo is that, or Apple Pay? Uh, you know, do I need to be on Snapchat or what? Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, so it's the world, the technology just grows so fast that I feel like we've done a decent job keeping up with it. Uh, but there's definitely room to grow. This is recording this podcast as my very first Skype call. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's always, always room for growth and, and you can't be afraid of technology. You have to embrace it and do the best you can to, to, um, yeah you know, adopt it. I think that's the biggest thing is just not being scared of it, being willing to have the conversation and look into it, being able to be open to adapting. Um, wh- what would you say is something, this would be another one you may have to look back, but what is something maybe you wish that you knew back before you opened doors or, or started doing this in June 06? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I honestly, and you know, this might sound cliche too, but I, I don't think I, I don't think there's anything I wish I knew because every mistake that I've made has uh, taught me an important lesson. Yep. And so um, I tell this to my kids and they're my daughter's seven. She'll be eight this month, but my, my son is nine mm-hmm. and he'll be 10 in May. And I tell them, I say, look, until you mess up and you run your credit card debt up, then you'll never really understand how important it is to be financially responsible because you have to make those payments month by painful month and pay that thing off to really take that lesson away and know, okay, I'm never going to do that again. Sure. <laughs> so it's the same in business. You know, you go along and you, and you're going to mess up, you're going to make mistakes, but uh, if you can learn from those and kind of insert them into the, the strategy as you move mm-hmm. forward, then um, that's, what's going to make you successful. So I guess if I were to give someone advice, it would say that uh, just learn from your mistakes. Not don't fear them. You know, kind of yeah. like technology. Don't be afraid of them. You're gonna do them. You're gonna make mistakes, and it's okay to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wouldn't help me to have someone just tell me something in advance because I probably wouldn't appreciate the information. Oh yeah, for sure. The yeah. less lesson is way more likely that's gonna you're gonna have retention there. Yeah. Um, everyone sees Silver and Blue Outfitters. They see your stuff. You have a great social media presence. You guys are putting great apparel out there. Some great options. But what is something maybe you wish more people understood about Silver and Blue Outfitters or you wish more people would ask you about when they find out that you are the owner of Silver and Blue Outfitters? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, uh, I think people do understand this, but I just, I hope people realize we're, we're a local company, right? So we, mm-hmm. we, as much as I want to do everything and, and be everything to everybody, we have limitations. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is a labor of love for me. So this is a, my passion, right? So I love doing what I do. Um, and it makes a, it provides a living for me, but I'll never get rich doing this. And so I, I hope people understand that we're not just uh, over here rolling in, in money. <laughs> you know, this is one of our, our primary goals is honestly to serve the university of Nevada and its students, um, and the fans in this community. And so, that is super important to me to, to continue to do that, whether it's through, you know, bringing you know, innovative products or having a social media presence to, to you know, kind of fire people up or um, just giving back. But yeah. I think, I think profitability is a secondary goal for us and it, it, 
hopefully the first, you know, is related to the second, mm-hmm. but it's, um, something that's kind of how we have always viewed this company. You guys opened your campus location across from Lawler in 2015. I mean, it couldn't be in a more perfect spot. How important was that for you in Silver and Blue Outfitters in general to get that location? Uh, it was huge. I mean, that, that location, um, it's, I mean, location, location, location is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, our first one in the mall was, um, it's equally important. I just think that, you know, we were never able to reach the student population, um, right. Because the mall's seven miles from campus and a lot of students that are here, you know, they come from the Bay area or Las Vegas or Sacramento or wherever it is. And they might not even have a car, you know? And so getting to the mall, it seems like a simple thing when you, when you've grown up here and you just live here, but, um, mm-hmm. that's a long way to go for a student. So this being able to reach the students and then have a, a game day, um, uh, location that, uh, I'm not a great golfer, but I think I could hit a nine iron to Lawler. Um, you know, and that's just, it's huge. And I, I got to give a tip of the hat to our landlord, Josh, too, because he allowed us to, um, you know, really use this building as a canvas and, and build it to spec. Uh, we really, I wanted to kind of build a place that enhanced, you know, the student and school spirit feeling here on North Virginia Street. And I think we accomplished sure. that. Yeah. So is, is there a, a difference? Are there any differences, maybe subtle, between your campus location and your mall location? Um, some of the product mix uh, a little bit different. You know, we serve a, a younger demographic at the campus location, so mm-hmm. um, we try and carry. We split you know a lot of our products out to both, but if we see something's doing better at one or the other, we'll move things. So, okay. um, you know, the merchandise mix. Uh, it's not too different, but sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll definitely see a difference in something you might see at one store that's not the other. That makes sense. Yeah, that that makes total sense. During the summer, uh, it was a big deal. Nevada switched from a Nike to Adidas school, and that obviously has an effect on you. So I I guess what was that impact like for you? And for some people who are the Nike diehards, is there any Nike gear left? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the effects of that haven't taken, uh, uh, hold yet quite okay. it has i mean so so the announcement was made in the summer like you said and um adidas and nike or i'm sorry nike and under armor both lost the license and the last time they were able to ship product to any retailer was in september of this past year um so moving forward adidas has an exclusive on the um performance apparel category okay and um but one thing people don't understand, and this might relate back to your other question, is that in this industry, um, everything is pre-booked. It's made-to-order stuff. So I have to write orders um, that will ship in fall 19. Uh, that are The deadline was November of 18. Wow. So I have I have orders on the books right now that will deliver next, you know, 2019, November. Okay. That I wrote in November of 18. And so it's a process to get those orders with um, Adidas and, wait for them to be created and then wait for them to ship. <laughs> and so, uh, we, we have some stuff, you know, that, that they had on shelf that we're able to kind of, you know, fill the gaps, but yeah. the, the most, uh, of it, nobody's going to really see it retail until July and August of this year. Okay. Um, there's a little bit of Nike and Under Armour left in the stores, but really not a lot. Um, and so the diehards, if they do want that stuff, uh, I would say don't wait. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, you guys are putting out just in, in general some awesome stuff. I, I'm a huge fan of the retro options. That draft pick uh, starter jacket, I think, is sick. He just released the JaVel McGee jersey, which is dope. Um, can people expect maybe some more of those options? No, thanks. That category is so fun for me. Um, not only because I'm older, but uh, <laughs> yeah, relative to my staff. But uh, it's just been so popular that yeah. um, it's awesome to you know hear the, the customer feedback and to design those and bring them to life is really a neat thing. Um, the other day, I actually dug up an old picture of me as a kid. I was standing with my best friend in my mom's backyard. And we're both wearing matching um, Wolfpack starter jackets, but it's like the puffy, like winter kind, you know? Right. That everybody had in the early 90s. And um, <laughs> so something similar to that jacket uh, might make its way onto the store floors this year. And um, also the, you know, the draft pick satin jacket that we did was super popular, the royal blue one. Yeah. And so there might be a new rendition of uh, of that this year as well. All right. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of retro option, I mean, you guys hadn't been around that long when this happened, but in 2008, NC State basically sued Nevada over the use of Wolfpack and the logo, Wolfie with the, with the top hat. W- what do you remember about that? And did that have any sort of impact on you? Uh, yeah. So I, this is kind of goes back to my history too. I guess before Silver and Blue, I actually, while I was in college, I started a message board, um, that, was a Wolfpack message board. And that's one of the other ways we got the idea for, um, you know, doing this right. uh, retail business and bouncing that idea off our, off our users on that message board. Yeah. But, um, that, you know, back then NC state and, and I was also uh, president of the blue crew when I was in college. So I worked with Kurt Esser who was in the athletic department, but those things started to kind of come up with the two logos. And I remember they were going back and forth, like through old yearbooks to like mm-hmm. see which school had used it had first. Used it first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how that, that was going. Cause it was like so long ago. And so, and was there a definitive came, answer? Well, I don't think they ever came up with a definitive answer, but they came to an agreement that, that basically said, if we use the Wolfie logo, we being the university of Nevada, mm-hmm. uh, it just has to say the word Nevada somewhere on the product to differentiate. And okay. So that was kind of the terms, but I, I don't think that anyone ever was able to say this picture from this date was the very first time it was used. <laughs> and I really think that back that long ago, you're talking, I mean, a long time. Right. Uh, you know, there was probably a guy and, you know, I don't know this, but there's probably a guy driving around the country sketching logos for schools. And, you know, if he had one on file, but it, he might have been able to share that thing. But if you look at some of all the, the vault, like retro logos. Yeah. Like, everybody's wearing a, like a sailor hat, like BYU's guy has a sailor hat, yeah. you know, and uh, they're all over the place. And so I really think there was just some guy that, you know, is probably <laughs> designing these things and selling them to schools in the early 1900s. Yeah. And that's the way that probably went. Cause I, I, I think retro Wolfie is my favorite. I mean, the, the, oh, new, the new logo yeah. obviously is more modern and more sleek and that's where we're going. But I, I think retro Wolfie is, is the coolest one. No fans connect with that logo. Like he's, not on any apparel for any athletic team at the University of Nevada, but he's still mm-hmm. high in demand at retail. Yeah. And so, um, that's a, you know, whether it's because it was what they wore when they were there at school or, uh, just they like the look of it or it's, you know, yeah. the vintage thing is trendy, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's like nobody <laughs> wears this, but it's, it's probably, you know, 25% of what we sell. Wow. 
That's crazy. So Nevada has gone on this crazy run the last couple of years, this year especially. I mean, now they're, they're number 10 in the country, 16 and 1, 15 1, whatever it is right now. I'm sure you have to feel that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 2018 was really the first year I can recall um, where both major men's sports were experiencing success at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's been like a weird history as far as, you know, silver and blues history. Uh, the time we've been in business, but there historically, I feel like there's always been one team that's kind of having a banner season, and the other one's either struggling or rebuilding. Yeah. And so this past season with the Wolfpack football team making it to a bowl game and winning, and then the basketball team making the NCAA tournament, advancing to the Sweet 16, uh, it's definitely impacted our sales, and we had a great year. Um, but that said, I've been around for a little while doing this, and so I have a rule I follow, which is not to get too excited with the highs and not to get too depressed with the lows. Yeah. And so the average is really what dictates the business model long term and and uh over time that's you know where mm-hmm. I need to be able to focus and make sure that we can sustain. Sure. So yeah. so what's next? You got you got two locations. Are you looking at a third? Are you looking to stay pat with two for a while? I I guess from here on on out, do you have a goal on, on where you want to take this thing? Well, I definitely don't want to do a third location. I think okay. two is two's enough. Okay. Um I think that, um, main, I mean, the things that we've accomplished so far, uh, as far as like the, getting the concessions contract, uh, having two stores, which are in locations that don't necessarily cannibalize each other and, and serve different demographics and, mm-hmm. um, you know, having a strong web presence. I think those are the, as far as, you know, this retail business, those are the things that are critical to its success. Okay. Um, but in addition, I, I think the, the broader goals that, you know, I want to continue to, you know, promote the brand, promote this community, um, be active, you know, and give back to the program and, and, um, th- those things to me and, and also continue to work for myself personally. I, I've enjoyed being an entrepreneur and, and doing my own thing. So, um, we might revamp some of the, you know, our website might get redone or, mm-hmm. um, we'll improve on the, the different facets of the operation that are kind of like behind the scenes stuff that, you know, the consumer would never even know, but right. uh, we're pretty much packed with, with the two locations mm-hmm. and work in the games and, and, you know, being the official merchandiser, um, it, it's got us in a pretty good spot where I feel <laughs> really happy with where we're at. That's great. And I, I know that I'm not speaking for just myself when I say the, the more vintage op- options out there, the better. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That, that makes me happy because it, that's the most fun thing. Uh, that and uh, I get to fly out and design our hats every year and um, those, those two categories, uh, it's like a kid in the candy store. For me. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. so you have the website, you have the two locations. What's the best way for people to connect with, with, with silver and blue outfitters and, and to find your stuff? I think the easiest way is probably through our social media platforms. Um, so they can find us on, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, the other way they can go is just to our website, which is silverandblueoutfitters.com. And then, of course, uh, our two store locations, one's in Meadowood Mall and the other one's uh, directly across from Waller at the corner of 15th and North Virginia Street. Great. Mark, awesome, awesome what you guys are doing. Congrats on all the success you're having, and uh, thank you for the time coming on. Thanks, Nathan. I appreciate the uh, opportunity, man. And keep, keep up the good work with the Reno Slant. You guys are doing a nice job. We appreciate Mark coming on. Some really awesome stuff from him. So if you guys haven't checked out the website or you haven't checked out one of the locations, whether it's the campus location or the Meadowood Mall location, do so. 
they're putting out some dope, dope stuff right now. And as we mentioned in the interview, the JaVel McGee jersey especially. Damn. I think it's clean. So Nevada's got Air Force on Saturday. Back at Lawler. Tip at 7 on ESPNU. What's something we need to know about the Falcons? Head coaches, record at, Col- at uh, I almost said Colorado State, Air Force, <laughs> Dave Philip. I can, I know I'm going to butcher this, Filpovich, Filpovich. At some point, you just need to stop saying people's names. Yeah. Okay. Their head coach. You're, su- you're, you're as successful pronouncing names as Nevada is shooting threes at this point. Your success rate is about you one third. That, you're at about one third. You would, you would honestly think English isn't my first language. Um, <laughs> Yeah, their head coach, he's in the seventh season there. His overall, uh, record, 90 and 123. So, hmm. you be the judge. Is that good or bad? <laughs> in how many seasons? Seven. Seven? Must ha- must has more wins mm-hmm. in four and a half or four years. <laughs> That's the way I like it. I think he has more. It's cl- it's gotta be close. Um, what it's, he's, he, yeah, he's got he's got to be right there. My first thing is just th- this Air Force team is bad. They're bad. They're they're six and ten this year, one and three in conference. They're playing UNLV tonight at home. They've been bad on the road. They're zero and five on the road. Um, so they'll be coming to Lawler looking for their first road win of the year. They lost their fir- first three conference games of the year before handling San Diego State 62-48 at home on Saturday. That was a real WTF. I mean, I don't know what is going on with San Diego State. They, they looked pretty good last night beating New Mexico at home by 20, but what the hell is going on with the Aztecs? They're, they're losing to Air Force by 14? Woof. Mm-hmm. They Air Force has a, a net of 265. Ken Palm has them at 260. This is one of those less-than-helpful Quadrant 4 games. Where it's just start fast, make it make it a beat down, please, and then and then just get get it through it without any injuries because these quadrant four games are a bummer. And unfortunately, the state of the Mountain West, there are a, a slew of quadrant three and quadrant four games out there. This is one of them. Yeah, gotta get ready. So speaking of how bad they are, their offense is just been horrific on some of these stats or just. Production overall has not been Air Force's strength this season. <laughs> they're averaging 63 or 66 points a game. Um, they're making, they're still making, this isn't the horrific one, but they're making about seven threes a game, which I thought, you know, when I first was looking at that stat, I'm like, eh, it's not terrible. Uh, it's not good, but whatever, seven is all right. Um, but on the season, they're still shooting just above 30% on, you know, from behind the arc. Um, and one of the other offensive statistics I saw was they're averaging committing 15 turnovers a game. Yep. So not making a whole lot of shots and coughing the ball up a lot. And if you, when they bring that into Lawler, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> that was one of the things I was going to hit on as well. Their offense, as, as you mentioned, is, uh, not good. They, they struggle on that half of the court. They're, 66 points per game is barely better than San Jose State, so they're 10th in the conference in scoring. They're also one of the slowest offenses in all, not, not only in the, in the conference, but in all of college basketball. They average less than 69. Yeah. Go Falcons. They average less than 69 possessions per game. That's 313th 
out of 353 teams in Division One college basketball. It's not good. Yeah, they play a slow, slow style. They like to use the shot clock. That's what you have to do in your Air Force, though, when you can't recruit the type of athletes that, say, a Nevada can at this point or a San Diego State or mm-hmm. a UNLV. You have to try to slow the game down and limit yep. possessions, and that's that's the style of basketball they play. Was there anything else you needed to add about the Falcons? Um, I'm just talking about how, oh, uh, must, you know, must, this is no secret. Must have said in interviews that, you know, they focus on their top, you know, top one, top two players mm-hmm. and basically, you know, make, make the additional guys just beat them. So there are two guys to watch for. I was looking at some of the numbers are Lavelle Scotty and Ryan Swan. Um, they're averaging 13 and a half points and 12 and a half a game, pretty much, more or less. Yeah. Um, total on the season, they got 214 points and 184. And the gap between Ryan Swan in second with 184 points to the third, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it's, it's almost like 70 points. I think thir- the third highest uh, point total player is, has like 115 or something. So these are the two guys that are going to be taking the most, you know, most volume shots. Sure. Sure. My, my last point I want to make here before we get to our favorite player on the other roster. I mentioned their 0-5 on the road, and it's a 0-5 with an exclamation point. Here here are their outcomes o- away from, from home this year, or I should say in true road games this year. They lost at Texas State by 10. They lost at Pacific by 13. They lost at Michigan. You get some... Some empathy with losing at Michigan. Michigan's freaking legit. Yeah. So they lose at Michigan yeah, by Michigan 21. Well. They lose at Utah State by 17. They lose at Colorado State by 23. So their closest true road game this that year was at Texas State by 10. Their average margin of defeat in their five road games this year is 17 points per game. They've been getting throttled in true road games. That's ugly. It's not good. All right, favorite player on the other roster. Who'd you find? Purvis Louder. Purvis Louder. That's a great name. Six Purvis. I if you say it slow, it sounds even worse. Uh, it's Perv is louder. Like the per okay. I'll just end it there. <laughs> <laughs> before, before we start going down that rat hole. Um he's six four senior guard, team co captain. Um he's pretty good. His Last season, I was kind of trying to see how he performed. He actually was injured for a lot of last year. He missed almost uh, he missed 16 total games. So Perv, but Perv, I thought is, about this. Perv is injured. Perv is screaming louder on the bench. <laughs> um, he, but I was thinking about when we were going back to our one of our, I think our very first interview with Albert, and they talked about his hobbies and his playing dominoes, and he was like, eh, "I don't really I actually didn't even play. It was kind of a random thing." I was looking at his hobbies. And his hobbies include reading, drawing, and watching movies. So I thought watching movies is a pretty safe hobby, you know. Sure. More or less everybody watches movies. But yeah, I'm curious about how much reading, how much drawing this guy actually does. We need to get his thoughts on Bird Box. Need it. <laughs> I'll find him. Yeah, shout out to Air Force, one of the schools that does include those random tidbits on their player profiles that makes it certainly easier for us and a little bit more fun, certainly. I went with six foot sophomore guard James Andrew or Edwards. Listed at 165, so six foot 165. Not a huge guy. And also important to note, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're not going the Anthony Mathis route again. He doesn't play, so we're, I'm not as concerned about James Edwards going out for 27 against uh, against Nevada on Saturday. On his bucket list, <laughs> I thought this was interesting. 
on his bucket list is to go to not all of the theme parks in America, but most of them. <laughs> so what is that? That is more what than call a re- That's a realistic goal. That's that's a that's a great aspiration because he can you know he can be a year from now and go to like two more and be like, yep, that's I got as many as I wanted. <laughs> and also a skill of his is he never forgets his phone charger on road trips. And for anyone who does any sort of traveling, you know that that actually is a skill. Because there's nothing worse than Uber on the way to the airport, being at the airport, and realizing, crap. (laughs) We got a problem. Yep, that is a sinking feeling. (laughs) All right, keys to victory. What's what's your first key to a Nevada win on Saturday night? Well... With I'm going to go with kind of the offensive lulls Nevada's had um, a very less than impressive opponent coming in. It's got the makeup for kind of just a low-intensity game, I guess, I would say, from the start. So get the crowd involved early. Um, help kind of re-energize the team. Get them out to an early lead, like you said. Um, yeah, so that's going to be my first one is getting the crowd involved early because this has been a less than exciting team that's going to be in Lawler. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to say it the rest of the way most of, most of the games. And I kind of hit on the beginning. I said I would like to see a small adjustment, a few less threes a game, a few more opportunities down low for someone like Trey Porter or Trayshawn Thurman if they're in the game, or maybe even Jordan Brown. It would be great to see Jordan Brown get some runs. So I, I would like to see them make a, make an effort, an intentional effort at going at mm-hmm. the rim and maybe trying to shoot a few less threes in this game. When you're playing a quadrant four game, especially the fact you're going to be at home against a team that is that has been just atrocious on the road this year, you'd think you can try some things out against San Jose State. They tried a new lineup, and that's worked out pretty well. Corey Hansen's looked – I mean, he, he's certainly serviceable. He didn't mm-hmm. score in the second half against Boise, but he hit a couple threes in the first half. So I would like to make see them make an effort at going at the rim. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go on a limb and say that we're going to win this game. Whoa, yeah, we haven't so got my, to my second Don't point. Spoil it. I'm not going to predict my score, but I'm going to tell you we're going to win. Slow start, fast start, normal lineup, different lineup. Nevada finds a way to win. Air Force is bad. My victory necessarily not in the final box score is that we start and end the game healthy. Yeah. For sure. Because that is also going to be one of the other deems of if we consider that, you know, a victory over Air Force just victory but you know something extracurricular happening is going to look a lot worse or it's i don't know if i consider that a straight victory mm. yeah let's be another one of those where a, a win it's almost like a, that unfair situation for the team like a win won't be enough we're expecting a beat down yeah exactly and that's one of the things mm-hmm. i was going to get to is the, the the gap in athleticism between these two teams is vast Vast, and we talked about Air Force having one of the slowest offenses in all of college basketball. They want to slow it down. They want to turn this thing into a grind. So for Nevada, push the pace. Don't let them slow it down. Control the tempo in this one. Air Force, you mentioned they turn the ball over a ton. They lead the conference, turn the ball over, or they're second in the conference with a little over 15 turnovers per game. San Jose State turns it over a few, a little bit more uh, on average. So with that many turnovers, you can jump in passing lanes. You you can get some transition buckets. Corey Corey had a couple of those uh, against Boise. So you would think you would have a chance for some of those to really push the pace and get Air Force in a spot where it's not comfortable. 
and and make some buckets in transition. So definitely, I want to see Nevada try to push the pace. Do you have another one? Nope. I got one more, and not only is the gap in athleticism vast, so is the size disparity between these two teams. Air Force is never going to get the biggest guys. They're never going to get the fastest guys. So this means Jordan Caroline, Trey Porter, uh, Trey Sean's been quiet as of late. Maybe Jordan Brown gets some extended run. He got two minutes against Boise. I think he had one at Fresno. So I would like to see those guys really eat because we talk about going at the mm-hmm. rim, maybe limiting some shots. You have an advantage down there. I think there's a chance for one. You know Jordan Caroline's going to get his double-double, but chance for at least one of those guys to have uh, a really nice game on Saturday. And then for a prediction, you already said you're going with Nevada. That's a shocker. What do you got for a score, though? I'm going to say Air Force's head coach is preaching all week. Don't end up in Sports Center. Don't be on top 10 getting dunked on. I'm going 84 58 Nevada. Yeah, you, you got an absolute beatdown. Nevada's 17 1. They're coming back home off two huge road wins. Air Force struggles, and that's putting it lightly on the road. I got it a little bit closer than you. I got Nevada 82, Air Force 66. So we both got some comfortable wins there. Okay, so we'll, we'll kick it to our, our preview here now with uh, about the Colorado State game on Wednesday. Break that one down. Before we do it, though, we're going to take a break. Hey, Wolfpack Nation. I'd like to talk to you about Strength in the Pack. Winning does not happen on accident. It comes from great coaches, top recruiting, and a top 25 infrastructure. That's the reason Strength in the Pack was created, a community-based nonprofit with the sole purpose to help the Wolfpack build top 25 athletics through small donations starting at just $7.75 per month. So be part of the growing movement that has donated over $180,000 to Wolfpack Athletics. Join today at strengthinthepack.org. Go Pack! And I know you guys didn't think I was done yet. The Blue Tie Ball is the premier winter social event in northern Nevada, and the 2019 edition marks the 10th annual edition of the event. Groove to the glitz and the glamour of this year's Studio 54 theme on Friday, February 1st at the Pepper Mill Resort Spa Casino. This is a black tie affair, and theme dress is encouraged. The Blue Tie Ball is presented by Northern Nevada Toyota dealers, and all funds generated through this unique event benefit scholarships and student-athletes at the University of Nevada. For tickets, go to nevadawolfpack.com slash ball. And for more information, call 775-682-6901. Get your tickets today, not tomorrow, today. Shout out to Strength in the Pack. Really cool what they what you guys were all able to do on Saturday, making the trip down to Fresno. I was talking with President Brad Platt a little bit the other day, and it was just a huge success. Not even... I mean, we all saw it, but for him and for the organization, they felt really good about it. He said that was one of his favorite Nevada trips ever, and that's including uh, Nashville and the bowl game in the Bay Area against BC, however many years ago that was. Um, so he put that one right up there with it. Amazing exposure for the organization. As of, I think it was yesterday we were chatting, 22 new people had signed up. I saw their Twitter followers went way up. Just a really, really cool thing. And everyone who made the trip, uh, props to you, looked like a ton of fun. And there were points where I was a little bit jealous, especially when I saw the silver bullets were provided. 
I saw that. I saw that too. That was the first thing I thought of. I was like, son of a. <laughs> Looked pretty awesome. So, uh, Colorado State comes to, comes to Reno next Wednesday. Another one of our favorite tip times, eight o'clock. So it's going to be a late recording for us next week. That one's going to air on CBS Sports Network. What's something we need to know about the Rams? Well, Colorado State is also a team that is struggling this season. And these struggles bleed over into last season. They finished last season losing 12 of 13. And their only win was against San Jose at home. And you can sprinkle, there's two, two of those losses they had were against Nevada. But this is a team that is not just struggling this season. It has been carrying on for some time. Yeah, I mean, after the Larry Eustachie thing and losing Gian Clavel, he was a stud. They just had a tough time re- replacing that. They've they've been you hit on it. They've been bad. I mean, this was a for those of you who remember the episode when we had Eli Betger on earlier in the season. This was his team. So Eli, if you're listening, buddy, your boys, you got to get him into shape. We got to get Eli back on the show here sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Rams are seven and ten, two and two. They are at Utah State on Saturday. That's going to be a tough one, so pretty good chance they're going to come into Lawler at 7-11, 2-3 in conference play. The the metrics don't like them at all, as you would expect with a record like that. They're 207 in the net, 213 on Ken Palm. This is another Quadrant 4 game. So this two-game homestand has two Quadrant 4 opponents. They are also winless on the road. They're 0-4. And as I mentioned, pretty good chance they're going to be 0-5 on the road after Saturday at Utah State. So the first guy um, to keep an eye out for is Nico Carvacho. There you go. I have a note right next to him. There you Carvacho, go. Carvacho right there. You're, 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 one for two, pronouncing names. Exactly. And I had a uh, I had a little asterisk next to his name, name too, that says, remember the name. So that's, <laughs> that's how you know how I write my notes. Um, but he has been kind of a bright spot. On the team, he is redshirt junior senior uh, center. Uh, over the last two wins, he's averaged 21 and a half points and eight and a half rebounds. So he's been playing a um, pretty important role in those games. Um, and those two teams that he did that they um, got their wins over were New Mexico, mm. gross, and Air Force. All right. That was going to be my point next as well. For, for the Rams, for Colorado State, it's all about Nico Carvacho. 6'11", redshirt junior, big man, averaging 16 and 12 this year. He has two 20-rebound games already this year against UNLV and Sam Houston. The UNLV game, 28 points, 20 rebounds. That's just a ridiculous ridiculous stat line in college basketball. He leads the Mountain West in offensive rebounds with 68. Number two in the Mountain West in offensive rebounds is Jordan Caroline with 48. This dude is a monster on the glass, especially on the offensive ends. That's going to be something something to look for. But when it comes to Colorado State, it begins and in some cases even ends with with Nico Carvacho. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stretch that end just a little bit. To I'm going to give this guy half a a kudo because I was looking at some of those other lines too. I thought he's been doing okay. So I don't want to give Nico all the love. There is another guy that can that can have some production. He actually plays the most minutes on a team. He's averaging a little over 33 minutes a game. But he's putting up 15 points, four rebounds, three assists, and that would be Jeremiah Page. So he's going to be another one of those guys that 
as you know, struggling team altogether, but still one of those guys that can hoop. Another guy definitely that we'll have to keep our eyes on. We talked about when we're talking about Air Force, the offensive struggles the Falcons have had for for Colorado State. They have problems on the defensive end. They're allow, allowing almost seventy seven mm-hmm. points per game. That's ninth in the conference, and this is going to be a welcome stat. For Nevada fans, and you know the Nevada team is even looking at this. You don't want them looking ahead that far yet. They are allowing teams to shoot almost 37% from the three-point line. That is dead last in the Mountain West. And for a Nevada team that is coming and going with the three-point from the three-point stripe, three-point line, being able to see a string of shots fall from deep, especially at home, would feel good. Certainly, you don't know how some guy's mm-hmm. confidence is feeling or whatever. When you're, but when you're playing a team that struggles as bad as Colorado State does to defend the three-point line, that's never a bad thing. And this is more or less a defensive statistic. It's, it really is on both ends. But even with Carvacho out there, they're not a great rebounding team, which is surprising. Their rebounding margin, they're getting out-rebounded by about one rebound per game. That's ninth in the Mountain West. So that they have struggled rebounding the basketball despite having Carvacho, who basically is just a, a basketball magnet. Mag, I say he's got what? What is he getting? Ninety percent of their rebounds or something? If they're still getting outboarded? <laughs> yeah, we thought Jordan was getting a lot of Nevadas. This dude gets all of Colorado State's rebounds. Who is your favorite player it's on like the, the hungry, roster? The hungry, hungry hippo. Robbie. Yeah, Robbie Berwick. He's a 6'4", 195-pound guard. He's actually a Florida State transfer, and his production has been average. I mean, you may see him a little bit, but he's not going to do anything that's going to uh, surprise you. Mm-hmm. So I picked him as just kind of my you know, average guy on the team. He had a season-high eight points in under 20 minutes of play over San Jose State. So take that as you may that he had his best game against – arguably the worst team in the conference. So, All right. I went with 6'6", freshman forward, Adam Thistlewood. He's a pretty good player. Good name. As good a, name. As a freshman. Good name. Not bad. Decent. Yeah, no, it's a bad name. Bad first name. I like the second name, though, or the last name. Averaging 8-3 and three this year. He can extend the floor. He can shoot, shoot the three ball a little bit. I picked him solely because I like his last name, Thistlewood. It's a great name. No Wolfgang. He's no Wolfgang for us. Great name nonetheless. Wolfgang Thistlewood. That's what we should name this. That's what, what, what we should name <laughs> that going on or from here on out. Keys to a victory. We need to have like an... <laughs> what do you got? I say we need to have an alter ego. Some random person named Wolfgang Thistlewood. Wolfgang um, Thistlewood, yeah. Key to victory. Three-point shoot, three shooting. 36% at Boise State. 27% at Fresno. 38% at San Jose. You had stated in the previous game you kind of want them to not steer away but mix it up a little more. I am going to say Colorado State is bad at guarding the three. Fire it up. Let's get some confidence. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I was going to speak to that a little bit as well. But it's going to start with though, as we mentioned, with Colorado State. It starts with with Nico Carvacho. So you got to handle him. On the glass, handle him on the defensive end. He's the soul of this team. He clearly is going to be the defensive focus. The emphasis on defensive effort is going to be on him. 
must celebrates taking away their team's best player, or at least keying on them. And for Colorado State, it's Nico Carvacho. So so limiting what he can do, because as we mentioned, I mean, they have a couple other guys who can score, but he, he really is their guy. Mm-hmm. What else you got? So the other thing, just how close a lot of these games are, it's going to be kind of, I guess, not as uh, not the best way to put it, but I'm going to say to focus on this game, the next game is a little more of a, I guess, a pride personal, you know, for the team in itself because they're playing at UNLV right. is their next game. Colorado, Colorado State's had a rough season. Um, so I'm just going to say really focus on this one. UNLV is, I know they've had a lot of, talking you know a lot of been able to talk mess because as it stands they're 3-0 in conference and technically number one in the mountain west so you know if you've been messing around nevada twitter unlv twitter you know people squabble over that back and forth but forget that you're playing unlv after the after colorado state focus on colorado state get a clean win play a clean game yeah that was one of the things i was thinking about as, as well this does have the potential of maybe you're looking ahead to unlv it's a road trip or it's a road game coming up. Colorado State isn't going to put the fear of God into anyone this year. So you think it may be easy to look past mm-hmm. them. And I like that. So stay present, you know, focus on, on, you know, one game at a time. That's been, they've said that's been a focus. Um, hasn't necessarily shown at times this year. I'm going to stay on the mm-hmm. defensive end with, with this key here. And it's limit JD Page and Anthony Massington Bonner. They're both pretty good three-point shooters. They're both shooting over 39% from deep this year at pretty high volume. Nevada has been there. There hasn't been a lot of love. There's been a lot of love for Nevada's defense, but they've been especially good defending the three-point line, defending taking away other teams' three-point shot. They're holding opponents to 31% from deep. That's second in the Mountain West behind Fresno. They've done a really good job defending the three-point line. Ultimately, it's not that surprising because they have a lot of length, especially with, with the Martins out there defending the three-point line. That was mm-hmm. certainly a strength of Lindsey Drew as well. And uh, so, yeah, I, w- I want to see them f- obviously focus on Carvacho, but when they are shooting the three uh, the three ball, we, we got to keep an eye on J.D. Page and, and, and uh, Anthony Massington Bonner because they can hurt you for certain. Did you have one more key? I said those two. The last one I got was one you kind of hit on already, was open it up offensively. Colorado State struggles defensively in a lot of different ways. They struggle to defend the three-point line. I would like to see Nevada attack the rim a little bit more. But if you're going to shoot three balls, let's see them go in. This is this is the game to go berserk from three-point at home against this Colorado State team. Uh, something to look at. I'd like to see it start raining in Lawler. Would be nice to see the ball uh, go through the rim a few times. What do you got for prediction? 82-72 Nevada. We're close. We're close here. It's another quadrant four game. It's at home. Not a lot to gain in this one. This is one one of those just mm-hmm. nice clean win, get out of there, and then get ready to come down here to Vegas. I got Nevada eighty four, Colorado State seventy four. So we both got a ten point win. Oh wow. <laughs> both got we were, ten points. We were pretty close. Wins, yeah. We'll kick it to slants here. Uh not a ton of them for you guys this week, trying to keep it clean. I'm going to start with games of the weekend. It is championship weekend in the NFL season already. A quick recap of betting picks. Did you see how you did last weekend? Yeah, let's move on. Holy cow, you were bad. Cut. You Cut were Cut this part out. terrible last week. And you're supposed to be the betting guy. You're our betting guy. <laughs> so, so if anybody knows and anybody bets consistently, they will also know there are some times when you are just 
red hot. You can be betting on East Carolina Tech University Institute against whoever, and you're going to cover no matter what. And then there are also times where no matter what you take, no matter plus points, minus points, $40, $200, no matter what you bet, you cannot win. And right now I am in one of those lulls. Well, you can't win if you're bad at sports betting. You can win if you, know, you, if you piggyback on Nathan's picks. That's how you can win. I'm just, I'm waiting for this moment. I'm going to register this episode. And then when we, when I start getting some picks from you and come March or whatever, and you're losing all, I, I'm just going to have a nice little replay of hearing this. That's fine. That's fine. So you went all one right. and three. Right, let's, dig in. let's dig in. So you went one and three last week. I was three and one. Kick your ass, dude. The only game I missed was giving, char- I'm was giving everybody game. What? I'm giving everybody fade material. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> you are. You are. So I, I missed the, the Chargers at New, at Pat's game. The only game you got right was the Cowboys Rams game. So I'm now six and two against the spread in the playoffs. You are three and five. Woof. Well, let's also, let's also comment on the reason why we didn't split is because you got lucky on some joke missed field goal by Will Lutz. With like, I don't know how much time was left, but he missed what has been consistent for him all season. And had he made that field goal, Saints cover. You talking, but about, you talking about the, fancy, 50, you talking the, about the 54 yarder? He's made those all season. I had him in fancy. That was a he was bad consistent. kick. I, even when they called that, I'm like, why are they do, doing kicking the field? Because if you miss it, you're setting him up at midfield. I thought that was a stupid call to put him out there nope. in the first place. And that's why he missed it. And that's just a good nope. bet. On I my love part. that call. That's a good bet I love that part. call. I wanted the, I, I wanted the cover. I saw that, but I digress. You're bad, dude. I move right, on. So I forgive and forget. It starts on Sunday with the NFC title game, Rams at Saints, 12.05 on Fox. It opened at Saints minus three and a half. I looked before he came on. I saw it's still at Saints minus three and a half. Uh, this is a rematch. They did play a couple months ago. Saints beat the Rams in New Orleans, 45-35. I believe that was... The Rams' first loss of the season. I was on November fourth. So, who are you going with in this one? Who dat? Minus three. No, it's minus three and a half. Oh, okay, perfect. Minus three and a half. You'll I don't take even the, care. Take the hook. I too am going to go with the Saints minus three and a half. Ultimately, it's Jared Goff versus Drew Brees. It's the the Rams versus having to go into New Orleans and all that is the Superdome. I think the the Saints mm-hmm. were clearly better than the Eagles last week. They had that stereotypical we had our bye. They even took like the last week of the regular season pretty much off. So it took them a while to get going. They have a defense this year. They can beat you in multiple ways. The Rams defense stinks. I I, I got the Saints minus three and a half as well. And then And worth noting too is that during some of the big games in the season, when LA is playing in some of these more, you know, Sunday night, Monday night games, Goff has not looked good. He looked good when they played the Saints last time, but in some of these other games, he has not looked good. Yeah, that's that's good. That's what I'm saying. Jared Goff versus Drew Brees. Who do you like in that matchup? Yeah. In the AFC title it. game, uh, 340 on CBS. Pats at Chiefs. It's going to be frigid. It's basically going to be a night game in Kansas City. It's going to be in the teens, I believe. Chiefs opened at a three as a three point favorite. I believe it stayed there. Um, this is also a regular season rematch. The Pats beat the Chiefs in New England three months ago, almost 
to the date today, uh, 43-40. Uh, Goskowski made a field goal at the end to win it. That was the game that uh, Tyreek Hill got beer poured on him by that Boston f- uh, fan base that is just so highly, yeah. so highly regarded, that Boston fan base. So who, who do you like in this one? You know, I was I was looking at this earlier today. I was thinking about it, and I, as much as I hate doing it, I can't bet against Brady and Bilicek here in the AFC title game. So I'm taking the Pats plus the points. I so badly wanted to take the Chiefs. I so badly <laughs> wanted to do it. They're at home. They're an app. They're a video game offensively this year. Mm-hmm. It's Bill Belichick in the, in Tom Brady in the AFC title game. Have you seen some of these stats with Tom Brady? I think this is his eighth straight AFC title game. His like 13th or 14th AFC title game ever. It's just ridiculous. It's basically, it's basically the equivalent of like how it was in the NBA when LeBron was in the East. All roads go through Brady Belichick. All roads went through LeBron. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous though. Had the, the, the amount of success that they've had in New England. And you ask anyone who follows football remotely and they'll tell you this was, has been one of the most, or one of the least talented New England teams in a number of years. And just the way it worked mm-hmm. out, they were able to go 11-5 and get a first round bye. And now here they are again. I am concerned that Tom Brady is 63 years old and it's going to be freezing and you don't know if he's just going to break in half at some point. <laughs> that, I mean, that would be the concern, but it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the AFC title game. Pat Mahomes has been awesome yeah. this year. He hasn't been in this spot before. I think it's going to be more of a grinded out game. That's what the Pats are certainly going to try to do. They don't want to turn this into a shootout like it was in New England. I, if yeah, they're, I, going, they're going to want to keep the ball in their hands. They do I, not want to give it over to KC. Yeah, and you're getting points betting on them. I'll yeah. take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so we, we are in alignment this week. And considering how badly I just ragged on you for being bad at this, I, I, Almost want to change both my picks. <laughs> should we? Should we throw a? Can you, I'm trying to think. The over unders are pretty similar too. Or, or I think 50, one of them dropped. 50, it's like 50. Oh, I don't know. They opened at 57 for the NFC title game and 57 and a half for the AFC title game. So they're both right there. Let's let's I'm save pre- let's save that for I'm Super, pretty sure Super Bowl. Let's 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 save the okay. totals for the Super Bowl. And we'll jump to okay. Twitter questions here. Only got a couple this week. In part because I posted the video too late in the Nevada game and people were distracted. So, uh, no hard feelings. I still love you guys. And especially those who ask questions, we appreciate it. Uh, first question is from Duke Rittenhouse. You guys know Duke. He is the beat writer for the RGJ for Nevada. He says, a fun act out here before I ask the question. Duke was my, was my buddy for a while when I was at the trip because he used to be the, uh, preps writer for the RGJ. And so we went to many, many football games together. Love Duke. So Duke, appreciate the question, man. Uh, why can't we divide by zero? It seems like we should be able to. I don't get it. We have, have we established yet that we're not a math podcast? I think, I think we can lay that down now that we are not a math podcast. Uh, well, I mean, hearing people, hearing us talk statistics, I'm sure anyone who's listened is been able to figure that out pretty quick that weren't numbers is not the strength <laughs> or names or talking <laughs> or just basic English. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Zero. It's nothing. A number divided by zero. Nothing is- there's no values. Yeah. 
I mean, there's no value in my, that's the way I interpret it. There's no value. So how can you divide something by nothing? If you divide something by nothing, you're going to get either nothing or you're going to get the original value. Boom. I could be completely wrong. That's how I take it. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure you are, but we'll, we'll leave, we'll leave that one. And then fake Matt mummy. Why can't I remember what happened last Saturday night? And why now does it hurt when I pee? You gotta stay away from Novi, brother. <laughs> well, Saturday night was the Fresno game. So I would make a joke about Fresno here, but Nevada is the one state in the country with legal prostitution. That could be a factor as well. I don't know. It's tough, tough to diagnose on a podcast. We're, so not only are we not a math podcast, we are not a health diagnostic podcast. Forensic. Forensic. Good. Yeah. I like that. Mine was better. <laughs> uh, I would get checked we're not out. De- de- we're not, de- we're not a, de- de- not a detective podcast. There we go. That's what I was saying. Oh, we can be with certain things. Just not with math or, uh, general health. Well, we can make, we can make, we can, we can make our own conclusions. They're just not going to be right in any regard, but. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We can make. Yes. So we don't know why. Uh, fake map money, but we would encourage you to get checked out. We, we are a get it checked out podcast. I, I'm, I'm very confident in that. We are yep. a get it checked out podcast. And mm-hmm. then, um, as I mentioned, quick hitters this week, only, only a couple from you guys. Make sure next week when I put the video out, send your questions in and we will answer them on the pod. We'll get out of here with random Reno. What did you find this week? You know, with how big Reno's or how quickly it's expanding and the population, sometimes you just got to take a look back to see where you've been with the city. So that's where my fact comes from. In May of 2006, Inc. Magazine ranked Reno Sparks, Reno's, well, the Reno Sparks area, the fifth best mid-size market to do business in its 2006 hottest cities for doing business list. Mm. I like it. I'm not gonna say they. I'm not gonna say they saw the growth coming, but um, Inc. Magazine, nice. Well, good I article. Mean, maybe uh, the recession was Inc. Magazine's fault because the recession happened like two years later. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say in Nevada. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to make a laughing matter because it was definitely a terrible time, but Nevada may have suffered the worst in the country. So. Yeah. Actually, more more like shame on you, Ink Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Screw you, Ink Magazine. You're the worst. <laughs> Jinxed us. Mine is less about Reno and more about Nevada. So everyone knows the the Battleborn phrase, right? That is just have, you can't be a Nevada fan and not know Battleborn. It exists. Do you know? Do you know why the phrase Battleborn exists? I would assume because some when they were probably taking over the territory or fighting to claim the state or something, there was a battle, and somebody said Battleborn. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you're you're along the right lines. Battleborn exists because Nevada became a state in the year 1864 during the Civil War. The only other state that was born during the Civil War, West Virginia. And some crazy facts I was able to find. This led me down the whole wormhole. There's some really cool stuff here. Nevada became a state mm-hmm. after tele- telegraphing. Beep, 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 beep. The state constitution nine days before the presidential election. They, they did it so that 
they get they can ensure that Abe Lincoln was going to get the three electoral votes <laughs> to be president or to from to Nevada stay, stay president. Yeah, the Telegraph submission. I mean, it had to go. It went from like Salt Lake to Chicago to Philadelphia to DC. So all these different people had to get involved. It was 175 pages, and you have to do that over the Telegraph. I mean, I can't imagine how much of an operation that was to co- to the total yep. expenses to send that. This was the largest and most expensive uh, Telegraph submission ever. Then it cost a little over four thousand dollars. Today, that would equate to sixty thousand dollars. They sent, they spent to Telegraph. The state constitution across the country, so that Abe Lincoln could be reelected. Kind of crazy. All right, I'm gonna get myself. I'm I'm gonna already nominate myself for something stupid. We said, but something stupid. <laughs> I said, what is the difference between a tele? Is a telegraph an actual like physical piece of paper, or what's the difference between a telegraph and the Morse code? Morse code is what you use on the telegraph. Telegraph is the, oh, is the so device. Morse, co- Morse code is the language you use. Okay, so that's what I was thinking. Okay. You're, you are an idiot. That's a oh, still Jesus. Jesus. Still, <laughs> still chalk it up. I got an honorable mention one here, real quick. Shout out to the Roller Kingdom commercial. It, it made the rounds on the internet uh, the other day. Big Cat tweeted out. I think uh, Jamel Hill tweeted out. Everyone, everyone saw this commercial. So funny. <laughs> the kid right off the gate. I want to be addicted to roller skating, not crack. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> such a great commercial. Made the internet rounds, uh, really playing into the Reno 911 stereotype, though. N- not doing oh, Reno's yeah. rebrand, uh, some some favors, but a great, <laughs> great, great commercial. Uh, it's funny to see that make the rounds uh, on the internet this week. And that is our show this week. Huge thank you to all of you who listen every single week. We appreciate you guys greatly. Thank you to Mark Ladowski, the owner of Silver Blue Outfitters, for coming on the show. Some awesome, awesome stuff from him. Make sure you check out their site or check out their website, check out their social media presence, or check out one of their locations. They're putting out some great, great stuff for Nevada fans. Thank you to LRG775 for the five-star iTunes review of the week. Make sure you leave your iTunes five-star review of the week uh, once you listen to this. Maybe listen to it or maybe do it right now once we finish talking. To get in the running next week, you can follow us on Twitter at Shalp Nathan, at Shalp Adam, or at the Reno Slant. You can also email us thereno_slant at gmail.com. Make sure you visit our page on LawOfTheJungleNV.com. Everything you need to know about the podcast, everything you need to know in terms of Nevada, all the content, local guys, national guys, it's all there. Check out the website. Tip off Saturday night at Lawler vs Air Force at seven on ESPNU. Tip next Wednesday at Lawler vs. Colorado State at 8 on CBS Sports. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.